you're looking to wager on all the big games in sports, well, I have unbelievable news for you. Our friends at Bet Online can help you out from the NHL playoffs to NBA playoffs and everything in between, including poker games and your va- uh, favorite Vegas casino games. I'm telling you, man, Bet Online, they're getting it done. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So join up today. It's easy to get started. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Make a splash this May with a new spa from myhoptop.com. Choose from over 50 spas in stock, new inventory weekly, and prices slashed to move fast. What's keeping you from your new spa? The answer is nothing. Visit their huge showroom in Destiny, USA, and ask about their many financing options for credit-qualified buyers. Treat yourself with a new spa from myhoptop.com. Don't just take our word for it. See for yourself at Destiny, USA. Hurry, these spas won't last. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platform. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our great friends at Rosie's Corner, Burton Ace Hardware, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and Camillus Golf Club. Make sure you grab your membership right now at Camillus Golf Club. Play 18 holes of championship golf, and uh, it's just a great place to go. Hang out with your friends, play some golf, eat some great food, drink some awesome beers. It is all there at Camilla's Golf Club. And of course, the pro shop littered with Under Armour apparel like polo shirts, quarter zips. They got the best golf shoes in-house, Under Armour, Foot Joy. The newest models are available all at Camilla's Golf Club. In the pro shop, they've got your shades, everything there. Jivy and the gang doing a great job. Camilla's Golf Club is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And I do want to throw a quick tip of the cap thank you as well to our friends from the Allen Angus Pub, Stanley Law Offices, and Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. And you can head on over to their website and shop and see what beers they have. The Amber Ale, Irish uh, Red Ale, they've got the IPAs, the Porters, StumblingMonkeyBeer.com. If you're in and around Victor and Rochester, uh, head on over there, my Western New York people, and shop online as well at StumblingMonkeyBeer.com. Draft Beer, Crowlers, Growlers, and a heck of a lot more. Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company is the official brewing company of the ML Sports Platter. So, really awesome episode for you here. Um, I'm going to break down what's next for the Toronto Maple Leafs after their seven-game, just heart-breaking, gut-wrenching uh, you know, loss to the two-time uh, defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's the sixth time in the last, or I guess the last six period, the last six times they've been in the first round they've lost um and you know they 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 were really you know at a spot where you, you kind of looked at it and you said well you know what they were as good as Tampa um and it was just some one little thing was missing what, what was missing um so I'm going to get into that a little bit um and then after that a very special guest, NFL on CBS reporter and insider, Evan Washburn. Uh, I had just had him on my Pandemonium podcast for the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. I've got that crossover interview episode. You're going to love it. Um, he's just terrific. 
breaking down the schedule, uh, breaking down what he likes most about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, uh, Josh Allen's game, uh, his experience with Bills Mafia, you know, experiencing the Corona 2020 year, uh, the playoffs with less fans, games with no fans. Um, so he gets into all of that and more the expectations and the hype um, for the 2022 season. Um, you know, he power ranks the AFC. It's just a great interview. So you're going to love it with Evan Washburn. So what's next for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? They lose just a really, really hard series. They started out with a 5 nothing win, and you thought, well, maybe the tone has been set. Maybe the lightning, you know, this is it. They're finally running out of gas. Then they lose game two, win game three, lose game four, win game five. And so they're up 3-2 with a chance to close it out at Tampa. Um, and they lose in overtime. And so you're like, okay, here we go, game seven, right? This is still a team that has gone toe-to-toe with Tampa. Um, They really only got embarrassed in one game, which was game four. Um, You know, they lost a one-goal game in OT. They lost a two-goal game in game two. uh, And then they won the other three. And you kind of look at it and you go, okay, game seven, this is what the Maple Leafs are built for. They have the home ice. They have the team. uh, They have Austin Matthews. But but they just fell short, and they lose in Game Seven, two to one, and it was just an unbelievably difficult loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm happy because I can't stand the Maple Leafs. Uh, whenever the Maple Leafs and Bruins lose, it's a good day for me. Um, you know, and they both lost uh, on the same day, you know, on on that Saturday. Um, but if you if you remember Game Seven, you know, Tampa got out and scored, uh, and then they each scored in the second. And then in the third, it was just Tampa, you know, really uh, locking down um, and 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 doing a lot of the little things that Toronto, um, you know, doesn't do in the playoffs. And Toronto failed to do that uh, many times in this postseason. Again, um, their power play was absolutely atrocious. That was one of the big reasons they lost this series. The other big reason was because they weren't as mentally tough and as 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 grinding out as the Lightning were, uh, plays and winning in the corner and things of that nature. The game that the Tampa Bay Lightning used to play, they would have to beat you with finesse. They'd have to beat you, you know, five to five to two, five to three to win. Now they can beat you five three. They can beat you eight four. They can beat you two to one. They can beat you one nothing. And obviously, you know, the other big reason why. Tampa Bay one was Vasilevsky. Um, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is, in my opinion, the best goalie in the NHL. I know that Shesterkin is the Vesna winner probably for this year, but um, that's a single season type of a campaign. If you said who's the best goalie, you know, awards go year to year, but the best goalie uh, for my money is Vasilevsky, and he proved it again. I mean, he saved 30 shots on 31 attempts. Only allowed one goal in this game. Made some unbelievable saves side to side, up and down in terms of the third period. And, you know, they were just waiting for Nicholas Paul um, or whoever to score a goal. And they got Nicholas Paul to score the first goal. And then he scored the second goal. And that's another thing. I mentioned Vasilevsky. I mentioned Toronto doing the little things and the, you know, blood, sweat, and tears kind of more on their side blocking the shots, all, all those intangible things, all those little things, uh, you know, outside the box score um, that you have to have in the postseason. But here's the other reason why Tampa Bay won this series. Tampa Bay won this series because they have 
a third line that is absolutely unbelievable. They replaced Yanni Gord, who went to Seattle, Blake Coleman, who went to Calgary, and Barkley Goudreau, who went to the Rangers. That third line that they had that was the best line in hockey just a couple of years ago, they basically replaced it with Nick Paul, Hagel, and Colton, Ross Colton. And those three guys were absolutely dominating. They played uh, a ton of minutes. They had shots on goal. They won battles. They took out the Leafs' third line. And, I mean, they were just outstanding. And, you know, that that's another, I think, huge reason why, um, you know, Tampa Bay moved on and, and Toronto is heading home. Uh, what would I do if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, I, I got to tell you, I wouldn't panic. And I know that a lot of fans are going to disagree if they listen and they are, you know, um, you know, they're Leaf fans or hockey followers or, or all that. But I don't think that that this team should panic. Uh, Brandon Shanahan and company running the front office. They have uh, obviously, I think, a guy who got a lot out of them um, in, in, in Sheldon Keefe. Um, as a head coach, I think this team is really close to winning a first-round series. They were right there with with um, you know Tampa all, all the way through and through. Um, it's just again, it's a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching deal. Hockey's a tough sport. They went seven games. They lost by a goal in the seventh game. They got beat by a better goaltender. Um, you know, but you have. This year's best goal scorer, a guy who I think is going to win the MVP in the league, I think he'll win the heart. Uh, it's probably between, you know, him and I guess maybe McDavid. Um, but Matthews was absolutely spectacular this year. I mean, he had 60 goals, 46 assists. Um, you know, in the postseason, um, he had nine points. I mean, what more do you want out of Austin Matthews? In four goals and five assists. I think that Toronto might want to look into doing what needs to be done with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, if Edmonton doesn't make a deep run this year, we're going to know very soon um, as I record this, but Edmonton has had Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same roster. They have lacked depth, versatility. They've lacked a line like the Tampa Bay Lightning's third line, and I'm not saying that it's easy to put that together, but Breeze Wan company have done it. Uh, Iserman did it before that. And, you know, Toronto needs more blue-collar grinders. They need more guys who can dominate and be on a fourth line who can take out the first line. They need a better, bigger uh, third line. They need a bigger, better roster in general. They're already skilled. They're already fast. You know, they've already got a good head coach. They've really got a good front office. And they have all of it. They have the best goal scorer in the league in Austin Matthews. You know, they have so much of what you want in order to make a run at a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, they had veteran play this year that you kind of thought, all right, you know, Jason Spezza and company, they, they have youth, they have bunting. Uh, they've got so much scoring between Matthews and Nylander and, 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 uh, and, and John Tavares, right? Um, you know, Mitch Marner, they, they have so much scoring. Um, but you kind of you lack right in in other areas. Um, you know, Giordano, a veteran defenseman, did he run out of gas? You know, Morgan Riley uh, is a defenseman. Muzzin, 
maybe you need to get a little bit more depth and you need to get a little, little bit younger um, on defense. Maybe you, you pick up two defensemen and another forward, a couple of forwards, third and fourth line sort of checkers and roll guys and, and guys who are going to get in the corners and guys who are going to tip pucks more in front of the net and disrupt things and, and, and guys who you hate to play against but love to play with. Those kind of guys, I don't know where those guys are. Um, Toronto's cap situation isn't great. Uh, I don't know what the number is right now, but, um, you know, certainly they're going to have to make some decisions on certain guys, but maybe you take one of those offensive players and I know salary can be a problem, but maybe you try to move one of those players and get some pieces I just spoke about. But, um, you know, this is a really good team. I mean, they won 54 games in the regular season. This team is a really, really good scoring team. Uh, there's a lot of people who would love Austin Matthews and would love William Nylander and would love John Tavares and would love Michael Bunting, who's so young and so good still. Uh, a lot of people who would love those players. You know, a lot of a lot of people would love Mitch Marner. You know, a lot of people would love, love, love Jake Muzzin. They'd love Morgan Riley. You know, they'd love those players. But there's something maybe missing there a little bit. I thought Jack Campbell played great in between the pipes for Toronto. Um, he played really well, almost almost being the key word, almost as well as Andre Vasilevsky. But, you know, this Toronto team, I wouldn't blow it up. I guess that's what my conclusion is here. I wouldn't just blow up the team. I would kind of try to reevaluate some things and piecemeal, you know, some pieces in third, fourth line, et cetera, maybe figure out, move around some of the scoring, uh, maybe play with some lines. Let Keith get back at it and see if he can work with this roster. Hang on to the goalie. Hang on to your, you know, your big guns, your big core guys. Build around Matthews, but become deeper. Become more versatile. Become um, a hungrier team, a grittier team, uh, a team that can tip in, in front of the net more. A team that's a better penalty killing team. Uh, power play wise, you know, they're running into some of the same issues that the Rangers had for a long time, right during the. Uh, uh, you know, King King Hen, uh, King Hank, uh, King Lundquist days of of, of the Rangers, right? Um, Henrik Lundquist. I mean, when he was dominating for the Rangers and they were making all those playoff runs, those deep deep runs, you know, that 2012, you know, sort of 11, 12, 13, 14 time, um, 15. I think, you know, the Rangers just missed frontline scoring and they missed power play scoring. They would get power plays that could have put games away and they just didn't score. You know. Are the guys on the roster, are those guys enough in terms of being power play players? Um, you know, maybe you, you evaluate that. But I would not blow this thing up. I would maybe trade a piece or two and then try to figure out a couple of other things in between and, and certainly uh, try to get back at it again. If they come back and lose exactly the way they did this year, then I probably don't have any answers and it might be time to blow it up and just build it around Austin Matthews and just get a different core and a different vibe around the, 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 the locker room. Um, you know, you thought for a little bit there, the veterans, Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons, uh, a guy who was just an absolute beast. Um, you thought maybe, maybe that would balance out all the finesse and balance out all the scoring. Um, that was not the case, but I wouldn't blow this thing up. I'd, I'd run it back with most of this roster and, and try to piecemeal in between and, and keep people happy and and go from there and 
and let Austin Matthews basically be Austin Matthews. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by our great friends over at the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group, Welch & Company Jewelers, the Allen Angus Pub, and MyHotTub.com. Make sure you visit Destiny USA if you're in and around Central New York or visit MyHotTub.com. They have an unbelievable variety of hot tubs that can be delivered right to your doorstep. MyHotTub.com. My Hot Tub is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Well, as mentioned earlier in the show, had an unbelievable interview with Evan Washburn, NFL on CBS reporter and uh, insider. He's all over the Bills. He's all over the NFL. And we got into all things Buffalo Bills. We got into the schedule. We got into um, you know the addition of Von Miller. We got into his experience in Buffalo with uh, Bills Mafia. We got into his broadcasting career and his ascension uh, at such a young age. He's only 37 years old. Um, so we got into that a little bit, uh, chatted a little bit about my, my, my pal Adam Shine, who's doing great things as well. Um, so this was just an awesome interview, a ton of football, a ton of broadcasting, uh, a ton of Buffalo Bills. So uh, buckle up. Here is Evan Washburn from the NFL on CBS from the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. The Pandemonium Podcast back with you on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, so happy to chat with one of the best in the business. He is a reporter, host, and analyst on CBS Sports, covers the NFL at Evan Washburn on Twitter. Evan, amazing to have you aboard. How you been? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, enjoying some downtime, but always uh, ready to talk some ball. Yeah, and you know, the way the schedule is and everything, and I'm in upstate New York, and uh, you know all about Northeast winters and all that. We want to sit back and enjoy the summer and get some sunshine, get on the boats, go golf, you know, have picnics, enjoy our families and all that. But honestly, if you're a diehard football fan, how can you not get just so pumped up for September right out of the chute, the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Rams? What a matchup. Yeah, I mean, after seeing the draft and, and all the energy around that event and then the schedule release becoming a new uh, kind of must-see television event and then all that comes with it, uh, you, you do kind of wish that the, the season was closer around the corner than it is. But having done this as, as you for a number of years, uh, late July, early August, training mm-hmm. camp will be here before we know it. And that kind of satisfies us a little bit. And we talk about silly things like who's going to be the third inside linebacker, who's going to make the final 53. Yeah. Uh, that kind of satiates our appetite until uh, week one uh, after Labor Day. Is there a hole on the Buffalo roster? Is is there an area of concern anywhere for the Bills? You know, Bills Mafia and Josh Allen basically are saying, hey, it's Super Bowl, let's go. Super Bowl or bust, many people are feeling that way. Allen... I don't know if you caught, you know, the Micah Hyde softball charity event in, in, in Western New York at the Bison's Park, but he won the MVP, hit a, a ball out, hit a home run, and he said, oh, it's, this is just basically my placeholder until February with what we do. So I'm like, oh, boy, there's some more pressure added to it. But these guys know what's at stake. Is the roster complete? Are there any holes 
Is there any worry for you with the Buffalo Bills as they head into a season that is really the most hyped in history? I can't think of one, Mike, on, on the, the 53 or the 2D, if you will. I mean, I, I'd be curious. I know Von Miller uh, was a, a big-time signing, and I'm a believer that he still has plenty of game left, but that pass rush is still going to be under the microscope until it's proven. And Von, in a new environment, new division, how he matches up, how he does, can he really ignite what was an improved pass rush but still not one that I think struck fear in the in the eyes of, uh, of opponents. And then I think my attention is just going to be more on the, on the sideline. And with Ken Dorsey taking over at that OC position, he's been working hand in hand with Josh Allen um, over the last few years and a big part of what they built with that offense. But um, when you lose uh, the talent that they had uh, at that play caller position, uh, Ken kind of steps into some pretty big shoes. So how he handles that uh, will, will be top of line. Uh, for me, as you start to kind of forecast out their their season, you're still doing some sideline stuff, you know, TV broadcast locally for the Ravens too, right? For preseason. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll okay. be on their preseason games, and then I do a couple things uh, like hosting in house for them uh, over the course of the year as well. Okay, so the Bills are in Baltimore this year, I and mean, that's a big game. You know, Lamar and and the Ravens kind of trying to get back to maybe the upper echelon, the elite of the AFC. Um, you, you, you pegged that there, man, the bill schedule is unbelievably, uh, difficult. Um, where, where do you kind of, as you power rank through, there's so many great teams in the AFC bills, Ravens, chargers, chiefs, what's your ladder look like with all those clubs? And then obviously everybody else, you got the Raiders, they add Devontae Adams and you know, you got the, the chargers ready to, ready to strike as well. Uh, where, where do you have all these teams? If you had to list them? I mean, I, I, honestly, Mike, I haven't spent too much time on that right now just because I think it, it's a bit of a fool's errand. Um, I think it's fun. I appreciate those that do it and, and, and give us that content uh, that we can sort of digest. But I think until you see how they make it through, really, you know, as we start up here in a couple of weeks, whether it's the mandatory minicamp, some of the OTAs, really that to me is who get through that healthy. You don't want any of those non-contact injuries. Then as training camp unfolds, how teams put the finishing touches on their rosters. And then, at, again, with the idea of health, who makes it through? Because you mentioned the Ravens. I mean, that's when their nightmare of a season really started. Losing J.K. Dobbins, the guy that was so important to their run game, during the preseason was kind of a forecaster of, ooh, this could be maybe a, a year from hell type of situation. And then and that unfolded. Now they started off strong and then injuries picked up. So, look, I, I see Buffalo and Kansas City at the top of most lists. Uh, I think that the AFC West is as deep and as talented a division as I can remember um, in my now around 10 years doing this. And I'm sure those that have done it longer may even have it uh, higher on that list. And then you mentioned a team like the Chargers. I think they have all the talent in the world, and they've done an unbelievable job infusing it. But I'm a believer until you do it and prove it that you can kind of make all those pieces work and, and make some hay in the postseason, I'll, I'll be in wait and see mode. And then the AFC North, I think, is as uh, intriguing and as big a question mark as there is because of a team like Baltimore coming off all those injuries. Win whole seemed to be one of the best in the AFC. And then uh, whether Cleveland's going to have Deshaun Watson under center the whole year, how that looks. So to me, it's too early to, to really stack or put teams on a ladder. But I do feel comfortable saying that I think Buffalo, Kansas City, 
some of the known commodities that are re-racking this thing are going to be right there in the mix uh, down the stretch again. If you had to describe Josh Allen on the football field when you watch him to an outsider, somebody who had never seen him before but knew the game of football, what would you say? The word that comes to mind uh, is dangerous. And, and it's it's funny because I, I think about it as he's grown as a pro, uh, that danger sometimes included himself and, and the danger that he would inflict on, on the offense with some of the decisions and trying to make that, that extra play or flip that ball into such a tight window. Um, I, I was on the sideline for that game against New England where he got, you know, whether it was concussion. I mean, he was knocked out of the game because he – he lined up a guy, and, and that guy, you know, dropped his head as well. So I think a danger, but now it's, you know, for the joy of football fans, especially in central New York and western New York, it's the danger that he inflicts on you, and it, it can happen at any moment. And the fear that comes with facing somebody that's that dangerous, you can have them bottled up for whatever it is over the course of a drive or maybe two, three quarters, and then boom – um, three plays and it's a touchdown. So I think if, if you were to sort of try to simplify what's not a simple position by any means, I, I just think of that constant threat, that constant danger that he can inflict on the opponent. You know, I, I didn't realize this un- until I looked. I knew you were a young a young guy. Um, I didn't realize you were still, I, I, you, well, still, I mean, you're, you're, you're so young. Um, you, you've been in the business. <laughs> you really are, though, and, and you've been in, in it for, Almost, I guess, a decade. If you include college over that, I understand. But you're you're a spring chicken. You are so much younger than I am. I mean, I'm 42. I think you're what 31, 32 ish. So this is. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I, I can't change it, but Wikipedia is wrong. I'm 37, so I still consider myself young. Okay. I don't know where they got that birthday. I I I, oh, I was gonna say. I no. I've seen it. I haven't seen it just on Wikipedia. I've seen it a, a bunch of places. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. That's still pretty young, though. I mean, I'm I'm a a, a guy who uses Wikipedia all the time, uh, just sort of lay a baseline. But yes, I've managed um, to uh, to, to move along in this business uh, at a relatively young age, maybe not 31 or 32, but yeah, 37, so extremely fortunate. Yeah, still pretty pretty young, there's no question, and um, as you've moved through, uh, you've had a lot of experiences. I mean, now you're, you're covering... The, the biggest thing in our country, our, we can't consume enough football. You just mentioned the craziness of the of, of, of the, <laughs> the schedule release. The draft is bananas now. The entire offseason, OTAs, training camp, uh, pre- everything is just so huge, and football is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and in Buffalo, it is the biggest thing. Bill's Mafia, as you know, is one of the best fan bases, if not the best, in all the NFL and in pro sports for my money. How, how when you go to Buffalo and cover games, can you tell the built-in Buffalo listeners what your experience is like in the city of Buffalo with the fans at the stadium? You know, take my, take my listeners, take our listeners through your experience with Bill's Mafia. Well, I, I'd say this, Mike, and, and I'm probably not saying anything that you guys don't already know because you're the reason that it exists, but there's very few places when you visit all 32 teams where you truly feel like on those game days, when you, when you drive on to the, the parking lot or, or walk through the tunnel and onto the field where you truly feel transported to a different world. Mm-hmm. And 
take that for what you will. There's the extremes of of just the, the energy and then some of the uh, eclectic nature that, that uh, fan bases can provide. And I think that Buffalo, in my opinion, has, has risen to the highest of ranks in, in that regard. I mean, I don't think it stands alone because there's places like Green Bay that do it as well. You're almost... It's as if you're going into an amusement park and getting on a ride. And, and for that period of time, for us, you know, you're in the stadium when it's really, you know, lathered up for those three hours of the game where you, you kind of leave reality and you enter uh, what I would best describe as, you know, kind of a dream world of, of combat, competition, entertainment, tension, all those things. And I've never, un- I never understood how important the fans were to that experience until obviously we lost it during the COVID year. Mm-hmm. And I did games in Buffalo where there were zero fans. I did the game where there was 1200 for the playoff win over the Colts. And then we had our crew had week one against Pittsburgh last year. And I've never had a feeling, and this goes back to playing college sports at a pretty high level in front of 70,000 fans at a Final Four as a college lacrosse player, I've never had a moment that was as powerful as that kickoff because it was the return of everything, but then it was also now the appreciation of what they provide. So hopefully that gives you a sense of, of how at least I can consume the environment. It, it feels like I'm, I'm leaving the common world and entering um, a dreamland of football. And then the, the last point I would make too was fun. I was actually there for the NCAA tournament this year. That was my first round and second round assignment was working the games in Buffalo. And it was, it was really cool having done so many bills games over the last few years to now have, there's no better, I would say sort of educated fans to, to know us, the announcers and they're yelling to me about Bill's stuff and we're (laughs) catching up in the, in the lobby about it. So it's just, it's, it's a place that uh, kind of, as you well know, and everybody listening knows lives and breathes it um, to a depth that is uh, unique among all the other fan bases. There's no doubt. A couple more for Evan Washburn, NFL on CBS, a reporter, host and analyst CBS sports at Evan Washburn on Twitter. You know, uh, you obviously, wear a lot of hats in the business. Um, you're one of the most talented people out there. You're, you're unbelievable at all the roles. Um, and, you know, these days you, you kind of have to be that way. I mean, you, you look at even a show like PTI, it started with two guys who were originally just newspaper writers, you know, newspaper columnists in Wilbon and Kornheiser. Now you fast forward and Tony's a writer. He's a podcast guy. He's a TV guy. Uh, you've got a lot of roles. Tons of people have diff- you know, multiple roles across the board. Uh, our, our multimedia world obviously has created more of that. It might not create more jobs. It might make it harder, but it's still created more roles, right? Did you have a, a role? Did you have a job that you wanted you know, to, to, to have when you were studying journalism in college? Did you say, I want to be a host or I want to be a reporter? Or, I want to be a writer or I want to... Did you have something that you were looking at right out of the shoot. I want to be that. And then it developed into everything else. The truth is, Mike, I, I didn't, I always sort of describe what I wanted to do after college. as just a way to appease people who asked. And I would say, Oh, I think I'd like to be a sportscaster because I love sports and I appreciated the opportunity to, you know, maybe be a guy on TV one day talking about it. But I mentioned briefly there, I mean, I, I was, 
a college across the University of Delaware, and that was pretty much 95% of my focus, and the other 5% was on having a good time. Uh, I was not a, a, a very engaged student. Uh, that's a regret of mine. I didn't necessarily take advantage of as many opportunities as uh, I see now so many young people do, and I'm so impressed by when it comes to getting into our business. Uh, but I did have a pretty intense work ethic that once the athlete in me was no longer part of the day-to-day, I just transferred into chasing this thing down. And I would say uh, it's it's helped me sort of get to this spot in a somewhat unconventional way where I didn't necessarily have the entry-level position at a small market TV station. I kind of used different uh, avenues to try and create uh, – relationships, reps, which as you know in this business is so important, and then limited opportunities led to the next limited opportunity, and eventually um, there was enough of a, of a buy-in to kind of give me a, a more large-scale opportunity. So it, it, it's it's one of those things where I could I could go on for, for you know, 30 to 45, if not longer, talking about the, the road here, but mine wasn't one where I was the kid that would turn off the room, the volume and try and call the game themselves. I never necessarily had like a dream job in mind. I think my, I still kind of keep this as a mentality to this day. There's things I want to do in this business that I haven't done. Maybe I'll get to do at some point, but I very much just uh, thought that if you just embrace whatever opportunity you have, attack it, make the most of it, um, for better or worse, usually, you know, it, it, the, the business will take you in the correct direction. Do you believe in Super Bowl windows? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the rosters find themselves in situations where there's there's a shelf life for a roster. And largely, it, it can be based off of the salary cap and, and some of the, the just realities that forces teams to, to live with. Um where those, I mean, but it, the window is probably a great term because it's there's different sizes. I mean, we're talking massive uh, floor-to-ceiling glass windows and some cool high-rise that you can open or those sweet ones that you now see where they kind of they unfold or fold up like an accordion. I mean, those are large windows. So I would say some teams, i.e. New England, had a pretty large window there because they had uh, Tom Brady, a quarterback, and Bill Belichick as the the general of it all and the decision maker. So that window is different than, let's say, maybe the Rams window. That could, that could be small, just based off of the way that they've attacked it. So I do believe that there's windows, but like anything else, it, it requires um, – they're not all cut the same way, if that makes sense. Sure does. Final thing for you, um, what do you think, Evan, is the – the, the greatest quality that Sean McDermott has as head coach of the Bills? And, and what do you think the greatest quality is that Brandon Bean has as general manager of the Bills? Well, I'd start with just combining the two, and, and that's as great a strength as you could have as an organization, just what appears to be both publicly and then through what the rosters looks like, but also when you spend time with them, just how – in lockstep they are and how much there there's a built-in trust and belief that we're going to do this together no no one has more power whether it's deciding on the 53 or uh you know what, 
when it comes to the management of the organization and, and the roster specifically. But to get on the individual side of things, I think what I've really appreciated about uh, Sean, and I'm sure is the case from his players because they've mentioned it as well, is there, there's no ambiguity. There's no gray. It's 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 pretty clear cut the what the message is and what's necessary, and that can be as granular as what they need to do in a practice to feel like they walked away from a successful practice or what they need to do in a game or when you go to the macro and what are the things that are going to define the culture of this team and the buy-in to me is is not something that can be fake it it can't be it, it, it has to it has to be sort of really realized from the players and you feel that and you see that with the way that they've stuck together and, and the, the kind of again, culture they've built. I mean, that's been on display and what I know in, in your area has been a really trying time the last few days. So I think that that's to me what stands out outside of the fact he's a great defensive coach and what he and Leslie Frazier have done to build a defense that is as, um, as consistent and effective as any in the league. There's the football side of it, but really the, the, single-minded nature and his ability to make things pretty transparent and obvious for his players uh, has to be a luxury. And then I think Brandon Bean, haven't spent as much time with him uh, just because of the nature of the position, but I, there have been a few conversations and, and then obviously hearing from others, just, I mean, just an incredible football mind and not just on the scouting front, but kind of to me, it's the, it's the seeing what is so challenging at that position at general manager is, you need to satisfy your head coach and your your team with making them as good as they can be this season, but then always having the future in mind, always thinking three to five to maybe even 10 years down the road. And so whether it was with Josh Allen's contract or some of the ways that they, when they first came in, kind of changed the roster around, I, I've been really impressed with that, the ability to marry two very different things, the, the, short, the short view and the long view. And uh, he seems to have a, a pretty good uh, handle on that. So it's it's a it's a hell of a combo, um, and also just seem to be two really good good guys. Which um, for me, at the end of the day, is, is as important as anything. You keeping my guy Adam Shine in line or what? That's a that's a full time maybe <laughs> job that requires some overtime. Uh, I love me some Adam Shine. He's been such a yeah. uh, helpful sort of resource for me along the way. I get to fill in. Whenever he takes vacation, it does take two of us to, to host his show, Time to Shine. Uh, but he uh, he's he's been really gracious with letting me get a lot of reps in there. And uh, no one can do what Adam does. I think. I mean, his stamina and his passion for sports to me is pretty much singular uh, in this business. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of passionate, uh, wild uh, fans that have opinions. But he seems to bring it uh, day in and day out. Uh, it's impressive. No, I, I, I love me some Adam Shine. Well, I think my I told guy, my guy. My guy. How's my my guy? Hey, 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 intern Bonnie, go get me a diet coke. You know, he used to he used to do that all the time when I interned. I think I told you I interned oh, for him. I didn't know that. Yeah, I in- right. if you had, I forgot. I yep. Yep. Yeah, I interned. Oh, yeah, I interned for him at Sports Radio six twenty WHE on back when it was the Sports Monster. And it carried crunch hockey, Yankees baseball. It was a I mean just a powerhouse. You could drive to Albany from Syracuse and still get it, you know, as you parked your car in downtown Albany, which my dad and I did in 2002, going to one of the games in the NCAA tournament during the run with Carmelo. And uh, I interned with, with, with Adam um, 
in the summer of 2000. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was intern Bonnie because I went to St. Bonaventure and, and he had a blast with that. And callers thought, you know, men thought that I was a, a girl. And, you know, they're like, uh, hey, uh, put in a good word for me with intern Bonnie. He goes, trust me, you don't think intern Bonnie isn't who you think, he, you know, who, who you think you know, it is, it's, 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 he's, he's a, he's a skinny, just regular looking, just, eh, guy. you know, he just had so much fun with it on the air, you know? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. No, the thing, the thing that strikes me about Adam is that he, he has strong opinions, but you never feel like there's an, it, it's being in attack mode, yes. even if they are, yep. even in the moments where they, they, uh, they lean negative, there's just something that's, that's kind of wholesome about it. So, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that must have been an awesome opportunity. Yeah, it was. I still got to get him on one of my shows. He still has yet to come on with me, so I've got to. Uh, all right. Well, you can you can lobby uh, and say that, that I've been on, and um, that he if he wants to if he wants to hold the crown as the, the best guest from CBS, <laughs> um, then he's got to he's got to get on the mic. Yeah. Well, but but if you if you help me get him on, I'll have to pay you overtime, right? In order to in order to keep him in line. This was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, this this was this was really great. I knew it would be Evan Washburn on Twitter at Evan Washburn, reporter, host, and analyst. CBS Sports covering the NFL all over the Buffalo Bills as well. Evan, be well. Thank you again. Continued success, and I can't wait to listen and watch you here this fall, man. Yeah, we'll see everybody uh, in a few short months. I know our crew will uh, probably have a bunch of Bills games, and we can't wait. So. Enjoy the offseason, and thanks for having me. All right, that was amazing. I just wanted to close with some thoughts on, you know, the Bills rookie minicamp and, you know, the last, obviously, several days with just what's come out of of Orchard Park and, you know, what um, people have seen. Obviously, it's hard to kind of just read uh, and not, you know, be there. You can watch videos and all that, but being there is really really it in sports. I've always believed that. But uh, just a couple of quick things here. Um, I, I find it very interesting that Khalil Shakir and Kyrie Elam trained together down in Fort Lauderdale uh, at the XPE Sports and Preparation for the NFL Draft. I didn't know that until I read Matt Perino's article on New York Upstate. And it's now a case where they are teammates with the Buffalo Bills and went head-to-head against each other. And what I think is great about these players the Bills have is that, again, I know that they're not playing against competition yet. There's not full tackling. There's not full hitting. Uh, uh, you know, they're not going up against, you know, Devontae Adams here yet, you know, although the Bills don't play the Raiders, but you get the point, right? Uh, not going up against Tyreek Hill yet, not going up against Travis Kelsey yet, um, you know, not going up against other teams and opposition uh, and all the rest. But what you see with the picks the Bills have is they are instantly doing great things. You can see the immediate impact potential with these guys. And that's what you want if you are a team like Tampa, like the Bills, like the Chiefs, you know, teams that are already Super Bowl made, Super Bowl ready, right? The Super Bowl run is in the roster. It's a complete roster A to Z but you go out and draft, and you might have, in the Bills' case, you know, a hole to fill at corner. Well, they did that, right? You want to find some depth pieces. You want to find some versatility. You go get a punter, no matter reason. Like, all these players, they James Cook for the running back room, who's a little bit more of a dynamic player than Singletary, and certainly a heck of a lot more than Moss, you know, 
it's just a guy they bring in, not necessarily like a really, really big need. Oh, we have to have another running back, but you, you have to have a running back with more explosion. There's just that extra, mm, we could use this player that we already have a few, you know, of that position on the roster, but he brings this element. So there's a little bit of this added to it, this layer with that player. Kyrie Elam obviously checked a lot of boxes. They needed a corner, right? So it was a need. He was a want, best player on the board. They had looked at him for a long time. Khalil Shakir, I I think they stole him, right? Um, Later on in the draft out of Boise State, those two guys go head-to-head against each other in rookie minicamps. I think that's a really, really great thing. Uh, Obviously, a lot of eyeballs were pointed in that direction. And according to Matt, you know, one particular play during an 11-on-11, Braylon Smith, the the tryout quarterback, rolled, I guess, to his right and eyed, you know, down – the matchup, and uh, I guess Shakir kind of turned on the Jets like wicked fast and found himself locked up right there with Elam, uh, who could not, you know, who, who could not just back down from it, and they were tied up the entire route, and Smith eventually was forced to scramble to his right as uh, Shakir couldn't separate. So, um, you know, that <laughs> Shakir's fast as all, all hell, and, and uh, he's got some hot wheels on him, and uh, Elam locks him down, and um, it's just those little things I think early shows you uh, the commitment there. And Shakir was quoted in the media, you know, saying that he loves, um, you know, Shakir loves Kyrie Elam. He, he, he said that his work ethic is second to none. And, um, you know, and, and even Shakir looked good, uh, you know, running routes and he was active like crazy. Um, so that was a good thing to see. James Cook has a burst that you can already see. And again, Georgia's defense was one of the best in college football history. It might have been the best single-season defense in history. And and they got a lot of the accolades, right? I mean, there's no question. Um, you know, from Jordan Davis to to um, you know to Trayvon Walker and everybody in between. Like, they, they got all the accolades for great reason. But there were some pretty darn good players on the offensive side as well. And, and James Cook is one of those guys. Um, he just does such an awesome job. He has great soft hands, first of all. And he just those angle routes that you see him run and his ability to get out of the backfield and have that instinct to know the ball will, will, will come in a certain spot and then making people miss and all that. He's got a great, great first step once he gets the football. And he took a lot of, you know, reps during individual passing drills the last few days. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be a really, really good one. Like I said before, it's 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 one thing to just grab a player and say, ah, we'll just add him for depth. But when you add a player who brings a different element to the game that you needed, which the Bills wanted with J.D. McKissick, they looked at last year with Travis Etienne, that's a big thing. So Shakir, Cook, Elam, already great things, um, you know, and, and I think they just, I think here's the other thing, and I'll wrap on this, is that these guys come in and instantly – they love Buffalo, you know, they love the culture, you know, they love the players, they love the head coach and general manager, they want to be there. It's not just a destination for free agents, it's a destination for draft picks. And I watched in full just a few days ago, finally, um, I had recorded the NFL draft full show on Good Morning Football, there was so much there with Kyle Brandt, you know, um, and his travel schedule, and obviously announcing, um, 
you know, the Terrell Bernard pick out of Baylor, the inside linebacker in the third round. Um, I just had, there was so much to catch up on. My wife has also become a diehard Bills fan, so I wanted her to see some of the segments. She wanted me to save it. And we finally ripped through and watched, you know, all the Bills stuff inside. And I had seen a lot of the episode outside the Buffalo stuff, but they had Terrell Bernard on. And he just could not stop talking about all the stuff that the Bills have built in, in, in Buffalo. You know, um, you know, the culture, the attitude, the great players, um, he can't wait to play with Von Miller. Um, it's just he he's only been there for like a couple, you know, few weeks, right? But he is already all in on the Bills. And I think that's a huge thing. These players, the second they get to Buffalo, there's an instant welcome, there's an instant culture effect, there's an instant attitude that they pick up on. Um, the teamwork picking each other up, Sean McDermott, you know, no no one person in this entire organization is bigger than, than anybody else. We're going to win and lose as a team. You know, and some of those things are cliched, and I understand culture gets overused. But, man, it's hard to argue with the model that's being, um, you know, continued and was built in Buffalo by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So uh, really good stuff there in terms of the rookie minicamps. Awesome stuff from Evan Washburn. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review to the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network and get us on YouTube, get us on Instagram, get us everywhere, and our Twitter handle, at Built-in Buffalo. It's a Buffalo Bills digital media brand, and it's made by diehard Bills fans for diehard Bills fans. That's the bottom line with us. Seven days a week of content all over the place, both video and audio, so tune in all the time. Make sure you download the shows, and you'll get them delivered right to your smartphone device as well as your YouTube subscription page and all that. You can't miss the Built in Buffalo podcast network on Twitter and elsewhere at Built in Buffalo underscore. I'm Mike Lindsley. Thanks, Bills Mafia. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.